Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. In a stretch with them, we're very confident, uh, and we made uh, mistakes that um, thought pressed, thought we pressed. When we gave up the third one, that was that was uh, uh, it, it, you know we just tied it on a really nice goal to start the second period, and then we forget uh, the responsibilities we have without the puck, and it ended up in our net. That's that's uh, that was disappointing. I think I think our group was a little uh, uh, deflated, and you can't be. No, you uh, need to keep the air in the tires. Uh, Roberto Luongo learned that a long time ago. In fact, 2011 Stanley Cup final. And uh, with that, you know, they the Sabres team needs, again, to reset and figure out a whole bunch of things. Hi, Marty. Uh, we're welcome in on Sabres Live here. Good afternoon. Um, this is, remember what uh, we discussed on the podcast on Monday? And that was, look, they're six points out. There's half a season to go. It's not that big a deal. The problem is, mm-hmm. is if people are looking at how they've got to this point, yes. they're going to be frustrated because this team seems to not be able to lose properly. <laughs> if I can use that phrase, the losses end up all being off lopsided and mm-hmm. it's very deflating to use that word again. It, you know, they're not, they're not these tight one goal games where they're battling and they're pulling goalie and they're all in and it's, you know, excitement. They're, they're letting these lapses in games kind of take away from sometimes the final 30 minutes of a game. And it, and it leaves you with a tough feeling. We've been saying for two weeks now, got to win two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? They just won two out of three. In fact, they had won three out of four coming into last night, but the loss on New Year's Eve in Ottawa, and the loss last night feel very, very, very similar and thus take the air out of the sails, albeit probably temporary. There's great opportunity to bounce back and then rattle off two or three or four on this homestand. Right, you could go five in a row in the homestand and look back and say it's five and one, but uh, I don't have the confidence to think that that can happen just because of exactly right, like history. Like we're at 41 games now, half a season. Like mm-hmm. when, as any point of this season, has the team shown, hey, we can 
really feel confident we'll win five in a row, right? Like right now you look certain teams around the league and you're like, I feel confident that Florida is not losing anytime soon. I feel confident that Seattle, the way they're playing, are not going to lose anytime soon. And you feel confident in those teams, right? Because they've proven it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel confident in looking at the Sabres right now and saying they'll win five in a row. Could they do it? Absolutely. Do they have the t- the, the the pieces and the tools to do it? Yes. Uh, but I... I feel confused after last game because the first five minutes of the game were probably the best five minutes, first five minutes that I've seen in a long time. Like they were all over Seattle. Mm -hmm. The Cousins line had many chances. Eric Robinson got a partial breakaway. Skinner scores. Now, I, I I was a little confused because... And Don addressed it in the post game about Tage Thompson. He made an early switch after one shift. He made an early switch, two. two shifts. Okay, two. After, well, he probably had his mindset after one and says, I'll right. give him another one and then I'll see. But I didn't see anything really to warn and say, hey, Tage and Cousins and Tuck are not going and I'm going to make a change. And mm-hmm. and maybe you make a change temporarily, but when the game is three, two, four, two, maybe you make a change back and you say, okay, now we got to create something else because I didn't think that the Sabres were, the shot attempts are one thing. The shots on goal and another thing, but the chances, like the chances that are making Joy Decord or any other goaltender having to make the saves, mm. like it wasn't really there. So I was I was confused about that. I was also confused about the the early er change with the defense pairing because I felt like the defense pairing had worked out really well. Like Dallin and Yoki Aryu had worked out well. Um, Samuelson and Clifton had worked out well and power with Eric Johnson had worked out decent enough that I'm like, okay, we actually talked about it in the pregame and, and it really w- didn't take long that it was, oh, Samuelson back with Darlene, um, you know, and, and so I feel like Don was frustrated by the mistakes and he said it after the game, the mistakes, we made mistakes. He didn't want to discredit Seattle's play, but he basically put it on his guy and say, we made too many mistakes. So, um, I felt like there was a lot of quick changes in that game where it was a game that wasn't going the wrong direction in the first five, 10 minutes of the game. Well, the defense didn't change entirely. It was just moments here, here and there. I yeah, mean, Darlene still played with Henry the most, and I believe the rest of the pairings were also that way. So for well, I'm it's assuming changing again I, this morning at practice right now, though. And I think that's what the, the thought was throughout the game as Donnie wasn't happy with the way that they was rolling and the pairs were going. So he was changing pieces here and there and going back to them. He was looking for a uh, probably a, a, a magic wand to to wave and, and stop making defensive mistakes. Yeah. I mean, Samuelson still played the most with Clifton. Um, so. I think there were moments, and I have to assume that these were more matchup related, uh, that that the coaching staff was doing this. Regardless, um, you know, they all come out of it, um, taking the, lo- the loss here and, and do so with what is a, a kind of a maddeningly inconsistent performance at home. I would agree. In fact, with your early game assessment, I thought first 10 minutes, uh, to be fair, was was really strong for them. Yeah. Um, obviously they ended up on 19 shots, but almost miraculously, uh, or unbelievably in a game that featured only two penalties, um, 
they lost the special teams battle, you know, um, Seattle goes one for one and, uh, Buffalo goes zero for one with, uh, really nothing going. And they are now in this, well, it's largely the whole season, but in the last 20 games, they are in a window that is, um, no matter how well they play at five on five, I think this, this special teams window that they're in is, Mm -hmm. is going to diminish any chance of winning Marty they're their net power play over the last 20 games, meaning power play goals scored and shorthanded goals they've given up, their net power play in the last 20 games is 1.8%. Yeah. I I don't know if that's ever existed before. It probably has. I've just never seen it. Well, no, I'm and, sure it and, has in, in, a, in a smaller sample, in a five-game sample, in a six-game sample, not in 20 games. Yeah, and their penalty kill, unfortunately, has, uh, has uh, lingered around the... Well, it's 31st in that 20 game window. These are not desirable talking points. I'm merely pointing out facts here that in a largely five on five game, um, special teams still managed to have a really pronounced negative impact. Last yeah, night. but I look at it as, as and, and you're right, the numbers will tell you the special teams in a very small sample against Seattle had a negative Mm. impact. I look at it a little bit differently. I look at it as individually goal to goal and what the situation happened. I think it's mistakes at five on five that eventually kind of sink you in this game. Even you give up a power play goal, but it's because you gave up a breakaway to Yanni Gord, a five on five mistake. And it's your you that had to come back and take a slashing penalty. My opinion, Mm. be honest with you, that should have been a penalty shot. And right now, as we sit this morning after last mm-hmm. night's game, I'm like, man, do I hope, do I wish they would have given a penalty shot? Because they ended up giving a power play goal to Vince Dunn, you know, on that goal. So I'm like, well, maybe Levi would have made the save on Yanni Gord on the breakaway, and maybe it's one-one after the first period, and it's different. But mm-hmm. look, Yanni Gord rebound was an unfortunate miscommunication between Krebs and Benson in the zone, right? They both kind of wanted to take the puck. They didn't. It ends up a turnover. The Vince Dunn power play goal was coming off a Yoki Aryu penalty after there was a breakaway. The Wenberg breakaway was a, 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 I don't want to call it a rookie mistake. It's not even a rookie mistake. It's a basic like you talking mistake where if you are the last man back, like Owen Power was, you cannot pursue like to the wall and give up a breakaway the old adage was if you're on a three-on-two don't make it a two-on-one and if you're on a two-on-one don't make it a breakaway right (laughs) like you can't always go minus one minus one minus one and that's what happened and all of a sudden it's three two like you just got back in the game tuck nice goal you make that type of mistakes can't happen and i think don granado last night seemed frustrated with the mistakes right um the veneers shot down the wing it's a bad goal Devin Levi's got to make that save. It's a bad goal. But both Dallin and Power made that wide left turn in the in the regroup. And that's all you need in the National Hockey League. Mm-hmm. I don't you don't need 50 feet of space to create. You need five feet of space to create. And that wide turn to the left and then coming back to the right allowed mm-hmm. Veneers to get closer to the net. Is it a bad goal? Yes, but it's still mistakes that can't happen. And so at the end, yeah. You didn't score on your power play late in the game at 5-2, and you gave up a goal on their power play. But 5-on-5, five five, there was a ton of mistakes that were happening, and not even with the puck, away from the puck. And that's what, to me, was the big difference. You know what didn't matter? 
no, I don't know. Face-offs. Yeah, the Kraken no, no, no. are terrible on face-offs. <laughs> Pathetic, wow. quite frankly. Under 40% last night, and yet no one's talking about it. No one's coming out of the arena talking about Buffalo's 63% effort on face-offs. I just don't understand it. Uh, you're just picking on face-off crowd. And plus, they scored a goal on a face-off loss. Like, the Seattle won one of their 40% face-off, and that's all. I always say, you you know, be ready to play. Be ready yeah. to play regardless of the face-off one or loss. On that play, Tuck was ready to jump. He, he jumped, and yeah. that's why the first 10 minutes were good for the Sabres. They were jumping. Yes. They were creating. They Look, I don't mind a team that takes chances. I, we showed in the first intermission, how many times did a defenseman lead the rush, drop the puck back to a forward that was, you know, coming in on the rush and then drove the net. You're taking chances. You want to score goals. That's fine. The other stuff, the going over to the wall at, at the one player and allowing a breakaway, the, the turning the wrong way, as I said, on, on the Maddie Bernier's goal, that's not being aggressive. No, that's mistakes being it's, reckless. Like that's yeah. not being aggressive. Yeah. And, and, and at times it's being just casual. And mm-hmm. I think that's the difference. I like an aggressive team. You want to be aggressive, be aggressive. You want to jump mm-hmm. on the rush, make a three on two and two or four on two. And then you're going to skate your butt off to get back in the play. Absolutely. Be aggressive. Mm-hmm. But when it's those type of mistakes, like it just, it pains, it pains me to, to, to say that's really what the, the story of the game was. The best teams are disciplined and discipline comes in many shapes and forms. And it includes sticking to the, the plan. And, and those moments that you're speaking of are not drawn up by the coaches. No. It's, and the coaches, the, the coaches said, what did Don say yesterday or the day before? Yeah. You know, we won two in a row. Whoop, be, better. be better. Yeah. Be better. You got to be better. Right. Mm-hmm. And look, we, I'm not saying I take my cue from, but I, I, I often over the last seven, eight years, I've had a, a a view of the game, and then I listen to the coaches after the game, Sabres or other teams, right? Mm-hmm. Other other teams around the league, and I'm like, oh, I didn't really see it that way. Um, but the last few games here, even if they won two in a row, even if they had won three out of four, mm-hmm. I felt like Don Granado is like, this is not good enough. Be better mm-hmm. in all aspects of the game. And so when I watched the game against Seattle last night, and I get in the car and I'm listening to Don Granado post you know, game presser and I feel a little frustration, anger with it. I'm like, well, that's, that's where it comes from. It comes from, he wants everybody to just do more, be better. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, there was guys, I felt like cousins line had so many chances. I would say they were the better line and they had chances. They just can't finish. So like for them, be better is try to find the back of the net. I know it's the NHL. It's hard, but that, that's what we need now. Find the back of the net. Everything else is, seems to be good. For others, it's just make smart plays. Yeah, I, I mean, it goes without saying this. Um, they need more rebound goals. Um, you, point, you, you pointed out a really, really interesting play from the second period last night when all of a sudden the seas parted and Quinn was able to walk in. Yeah. And you were hoping through your telestration that both Cousins and Paterka would have angled towards the goal and 
made life a little more difficult for Joey Decord. But what you also opened up for anybody that was watching was the reality of how Paterka and Quinn have developed over the course of their time in Rochester and Buffalo. And that is usually pass first. Yeah. And when you looked at it and no one would ever want to take away Quinn from shooting, especially the way he's shooting right now. But JJ knows he was wide open for an open net and probably assumed that Quinn was going to pass it to him yeah. in that situation. It was it was an incredible visual that you created through your telestration. And I was like, oh, I could totally like because cliches lead us to think that every situation should be very similar, that you should always just pile the net, pile the net, pile the net. Well, not always in today's world, because when you can move the puck so quickly and with such confidence, because you have chemistry between line mates, which is what we've seen in the duos and the lines that have been consistent over time here. Yep. I looked at that after the fact multiple times and thought, wow. And I don't know if Jack is thinking that, oh, maybe I should have passed, but it certainly opened my eyes to thinking JJ was thinking he's going to receive a pass here. Yeah, and I but at the same time I'm looking also as JJ who hasn't been able to find the back of the net mm -hmm. like maybe what your first thought is is has not been working of late like do yeah. do something else be better do something else but I I really feel like there was an option there but um you know, everybody's been squeezing a little bit. You're down yep. in the game. You're like, okay, I'm going to shoot and create. I'm going to beat that goalie. I'm going to beat that goalie clean, right? So Mike Kelly of NHL Network, Sports Logic, had a number yesterday when he talked about Willie Nylander and his success. And he said, listen, 86% of goals scored by Ford in the NHL are coming from the slot. Uh, I would have thought it was 96% of goals from NHL forwards is coming from the slot, but 86, okay, whatever. It's a big number anyway. Mm -hmm. Okay, Jack Quinn got to the slot, right? Like Dylan Cousins got to the slot. JJ Paterka has gotten to the slot a few times, not as much as the other two, but has gotten there. Yeah. Um, then I'm thinking, okay, well, Tage got put on a line with Benson and Greenway. Maybe for two reasons. Don Granado says he didn't like what he was seeing after a couple of shifts and wanted to put Casey there. But also maybe let's get Benson and Greenway going with who is arguably the, the top, you know, producing guy on the team when healthy and, and all said and, and done. And but that line didn't find the middle of the ice at all. Like Greenway, Benson, Thompson didn't find the middle of the ice. And other than their goal, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Tuck Skinner. Uh, middle stat, they really didn't find the middle of the ice often either. So that's that's a big difference for me. And Skinner mispracticed today with an upper body injury, according to the team. So we'll monitor that moving forward. Um, what did you make of the Thompson line switch? And obviously today at practice, he was back with Tuck, but also with Olofsson because Skinner's absence obviously left that left side open on that line. Like, are you, do you just look at it as like a a one-off kind of thing um I, how do you think it developed so quickly that that the lines were changed the way they were middlestat uh, and thompson flipping spots um i don't think that was just the start of the seattle game i think usually when things happen that quickly it comes from practice it comes from the games before some of the notes right coaches write down notes and they're like um, didn't love Thompson's game here. Let's, let's see. Let's see. Right. And, and, um, you know, I, Don Granado kind of said it after the game. He said, and, and this is, this was interesting for me in his comment. He says, 
when you're with these guys every day for a whole season, practice mm. on the road and games, you get a really quick feel. And it's usually pretty accurate on how guys are doing, how they're feeling, how they're, you know, in the game or not in the game. Mm -hmm. So I felt like, you know, I needed to make the change. I wanted to put Milstad there because I didn't like what I was seeing. He didn't say specifically, I didn't like what I was seeing out of Tage Thompson. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's kind of understood here that that was the 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 party that was being affected by this change. So, but I, I'll be honest with you. That's the one thing like fans all, you know, sometimes you watch from the outside, like the practice aspect of it as a, as a player, mm -hmm. it tells as much of a story as the games. Are you engaged in practice? Are you doing the right things in practice? How are you uh, putting the work in? Right. And, and especially for goaltenders, I feel like, For goaltenders, you can really tell if they're engaged in practice or not and if they're ready for a game. Forwards is a little bit different, but I feel like this was not a, you know, the game started, Don Granado was really, really confident. His lineup was like the lineup he should go with, but five minutes in, he was like, oh no, I made a mistake, I need to change. I almost feel like that was lingering, that he had put the lines together knowing in the back of his mind, if 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 the... If that feeling I have in my gut doesn't change in the first five minutes, I'm going to make something happen right away. I, I think that's that's how it came about. Thompson had points in his previous four games, but that came to an end last night. Now, if you're looking at the forward group, you're looking at Greenway, Benson, Cousins, and Paterka as the players with the longest droughts. And before the season, you wouldn't have you know made a big deal out of Greenway and Benson uh, being in this quartet. But the fact of the matter is, if the lines revert, Then you have your leading scorer, Middlestat, playing with these two players. So you you obviously need that to get going. And the bigger thing, which we briefly hit on in the pregame last night, was the fact that you know Cousins and Paterka, uh, like their goalless droughts now, are at eight and twelve games respectively. Despite the fact that we've looked at Jack Quinn as a positive insertion to the lineup obviously and you already mentioned their chances mm -hmm. that they had last night i don't i don't think the chances sustain themselves all the way through i thought seattle looked um very comfortable just kind of grinding the rest of the game out without a real regard for racking up more shots i mean why did they need to they 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 quickly amassed a three-goal lead in the second period on five shots, right? And they just looked like this machine that rolls over. They they ended up – they had a forward from every one of their lines pick up a point last night. Yeah. And <laughs> that was the most obvious thing going into this game was for a team that hadn't found their stride until now the most recent 11 games, they look very, very, very balanced on paper. And so now over the course of this uh, streak that they're on, which is an 11 gamer, the Kraken are averaging 3.37 goals per game, which is a nice number. It's, it's down about two tenths from where they were last year overall, yeah. but three, you can live with 3.37. That's a fine number. And their yep. goals against in that stretch is 1.37. So almost oh, that's exact, a bigger number. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes and no. I mean, for a team that has been scoring well below three, To get up over three is a huge hurdle, and it's very reflective of what they can do 
when healthy with that group of 12 that they iced last night. So but, what they did last night, the no thing. duffer, is is Seattle very oppor- opportunistic in their chances. They score on four of five chances. When Vince Dunn scored at mm. the end of the first period on the power play, they, after that, scored on three of their next four chances. So mm. they scored on four or five chances. That's right there. And the Sabres, after, when Tuck scored, the Sabres' expected goals at that point was two. They finished the game at three. So 21 minutes into the game, they had created two expected goals. And in the next 39, they created one. Like that's, even if it's score effect, like that number should have been a lot different. I think like Seattle just were opportunistic on their chances and they knew exactly what they needed to do. But the point is, my point is, is if you're, if you were looking at it going into the game, that's what you would expect because of how Seattle's lines are constructed. If yeah. an opportunity presents itself to Seattle, each of their lines is equally capable of doing the finishing. That's the beauty of it. And that's what the goal in all of this should be. Have the balance, right? Which is why we focus the way we do on line configurations, line chemistry, and ultimately line shot attempts and production. Because if you're if you have these significant drop-offs, guess what's going to happen in the game? You're going to have these significant drop-offs. Seattle yeah. looked like a team that was poised to just be like this all the way through last night. And they were. Sure. Nobody's you say it all the time. Nobody's going to win all 60 minutes of a game. Seattle hadn't played since last Thursday. Yeah, no. They and weren't. so obviously their first 10 minutes was likely going to be a little bit like this. And then they were reminded of the fact that, eh. We haven't lost in 10 games. Let's uh, get back to what we do here. And, and they it were was, fine. and it was Gordon. It was Tanev. And it was those guys that all just came back. Yeah, they, they, and, they, they yeah. started picking up pieces, but I said in the pregame yesterday, entering last night's game, the difference between the top producing line with the Seattle Kraken, their points total, the three members of a line and their lowest producing line is 34 points. Okay. Entering last night's game, the difference between the top producing line for the Sabres and the least production line with the Sabres was 69 points. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like that's a big number when your top end is, is heavy, but your bottom doesn't produce and mm-hmm. Seattle is completely built the other way. And really, when you look at their line, if you line them one, two, three, four, their top production line was the third mm-hmm. line when you put it together, right? So they, they are the mode that line that produces the most. Uh, but yeah, 34 points between top and bottom is, is yeah. nothing at all. It's very yeah. balanced. And let's not confuse this with us saying that this is the ultimate way to build a team. Well, no, absolutely. the Kraken are the Kraken and they have embraced what they are. They became a 100 point team last season and made the playoffs and got through round one. And now after an eight game losing streak appear to have found exactly what they were a year ago. And they're doing it with the best goaltending stretch they've had in franchise history. It's a perfect marriage at the moment, and it may last, yet they're not even in a playoff spot. It's unreal that they've gone 11 games without a regulation loss, and yet they and Red Hot Edmonton, won eight in a row, are tied for the second wild card right now, with the Oilers having three games in hand. Arizona scored a major win on home ice in overtime against Boston last night. They're one back. St. Louis got torched by the Red Hot Panthers and Matthew Kachuk last night. They're in the hunt. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. 
That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And Calgary had a comeback win over Ottawa. They are in the hunt. And sadly, this one might hurt the most from my Western Conference allegiances. It might not be long before L.A. is not only in the hunt, but out of the hunt because they've dropped six in a row and they are finding ways to lose and now doing so both home and away. And your Nashville Predators. So it's your L.A. Kings and your Nashville Predators. Oh, you know what I mean, Marty? I'm a front runner. The Kings were the Kings were challenging for top spot overall. I was I get it, but it's bandwagon. (laughs) The Kings and the Nashville Predators, two teams that you have. uh, kind of liked over the past um they are in trouble and i do think that there's a lot of push we're not even talking about the minnesota wild dude obviously they have all their injuries but they're still you know could could with a good they're a long ways out now um they're five points out it's not a long ways a good week could put him back in it Mm. you sound so glass half full i like you you're very good well, You're very good days. that way, Marty. My 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 drink is half empty, more than half empty right now. So your drink looks like the Kraken on faceoffs last night. Yeah, um, well, it's less than twenty percent. That's for sure. <laughs> Mental health awareness night is coming up on January seventeenth. Buffalo and Chicago that night, but before the game, it's important to get involved in the conversation for all. Pre-game panel discussion with founder of Same Here, that's Eric Cusin. We had him on the broadcast last year, and of course, after that discussion, which happens over at Lecom Harbor Center, we look forward to seeing you at the game. You can visit sabers.com slash same here to get your tickets and learn more. Dan Dunleavy coming up as we roll on Sabres live after this. with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Sabres were close. Uh, in fact, even in period number two last night before it slipped away. Three goals on five cracking shots in the second as they roll to a 5-2 win and are now owners of an 11-game point streak. Not the longest in the NHL. Winnipeg's got that at 13, and there are many teams who are red hot. Dan Dunleavy is with us right now. Dan, who or what is going to uh. restore consistency and excellence in the final half of the season for the Sabres for the Sabres. Well, I'll tell you what the key is based on um, listening to you guys here in the first part of the show. And just on um, my own personal assessment of the game yesterday and looking over the highlights and the moments that Don Granado talked about that got away from the team. And I think for me, um, it really comes down to communication you look at the breakdowns that Don talked about earlier. He calls them mistakes instead of calling it breakdowns. And and as you properly mentioned, Brian and Marty, those happen through a 60-minute game, an 82-game season. I get it. Uh, but the regularity with some of these breakdowns are happening, I think, are what the communication needs, you know, where that communication needs to improve. So you look at um, 
goal yesterday where Yanni Gord finds himself alone in front of the net. All five Sabres players are in their own zone, so-called defending on a play. Mm-hmm. Um, they look like they're in okay position, but as soon as they can't clear the puck, you've got three guys watching a shooter, and then Gord mm-hmm. is in behind the defense, and everyone has turned away from him following the play. And just to me, at some point, someone's got to communicate, whether it be Devin Levi, somebody on the ice, you got to be hollering, hey, hey, whatever you're hollering, it's to let you know that, hey, you got a guy unmarked here and the play is coming. So, Devin, obviously, Marty, you can tell me from your perspective of being a goaltender in this game where things happen so quick, maybe he doesn't have the time to make that that holler out. Maybe it's somebody from the bench or something. But, you know, I, I just really think that the the moments that get away from this team, you know, you're tied 2-2. Um, you're not really playing the score. You still want to attack and win the game. I understand that. But sometimes I think when you take a look at your own situation, there, there's a moment in the game for me personally where you want to manage the game, where you just want to stay maybe at that position. I know you want to get off to the races. I say this a lot about watching Bill's games sometimes where I feel like they're in a hurry to win the game when I really think that they have the best talent on the field in any game, but they're in a hurry to win the game, and that's when mistakes happen. It's like you don't need to rush to win the game. You, you've got the best quarterback. You've got a running back. You've got receivers. Uh, you've got guys in the line. So just don't be in a hurry. Just be methodical about it. And I think the same maybe for Buffalo might be in that you get it in your head that we're an offensive team. I understand that, and you are. Maybe it's your strength. I know you talked the other night about defense or offense, and, and Razor and I had fun with you on that. But you, you bring up a point as to what's your identity. But you get to 2-2 against a team that you know you have trouble with, and then all of a sudden you have this breakdown of communication where I just don't think that can happen if you want to continue marching forward. And I think when Don talked after the game about mistakes, I'm going to assume that's what he was referring to. So uh, to Brian, your question, how do you fix it? It's not really on one guy. It's a collective agreement amongst the group that, guys, we've got to communicate better. And if you feel like you can't get back or you can't cover this guy, you, you got to holler. you got to do something. I, I know it doesn't correct everything. Um, but that's what I saw on a couple of those plays where to me, it just looked like, you know, who's yelling that, Hey, we got a guy behind the D we got five guys in our own zone, but we still have one guy behind five of our guys. Um, I want to say communication is always a hard thing with teams and the youngest of levels and at the NHL level, because guys think that they are communicating. And then you're like, no, nothing's coming out of your mouth. Like you may process it in your brain, say, oh, you know, and you, you, but nothing is coming out of your mouth. So maybe, maybe we got to, um, I had a coach in juniors that turned on the volume so loud, like music so loud during practice that he wanted us to yell. Well, not the goalies, but players <laughs> like every time you made a pass, every time you cut, you wanted a puck, every time you did this and that, so that it actually would be embedded in your in 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 your system and you would you would naturally do it uh that's one two i mm-hmm. think we got to teach devon and anybody that is going to play for the sabers for the rest of the sabers franchise a couple of things must see must see and hi guy hi guy so that at least we know that's from dominic ashik right dom would always yell must see must see i must see so that was that was the thing um but you're right i think i i want to say that when you are second guessing yourself a little bit. Sometimes you don't communicate. And then when you don't communicate, you start second guessing yourself. So it's a vicious cycle and mistakes happen. Now I'm going to ask you this, Dan. I think the Sabres want to always be very aggressive, very aggressive, very aggressive. And I, I like that. I like that out of teams, but when 
not everybody's on the same page and those type of mistakes are happening. And you talk about managing the game. Should should we start seeing them maybe ooh, taking a little bit of a, a, a more of a um, cautious approach in their aggressiveness? Or do you think like, no, be aggressive, just be smarter in your decision? Well, I thought it, Brian brought up a really good point earlier about, you know, four lines that you want to have four lines like Seattle did that might not be leading scores in the league. But at any point in time when they have the puck on their stick, they have guys throughout their line that if you give them an opportunity, they can score. Like even Burakovsky's not having a great year, but you don't want to give him a chance uh, on his own, unmarked in behind the defense and stuff. So I think if you're built that way, that you have that kind of depth and scoring, then yeah, maybe you can just kind of go for it. I'm going to bring up uh, an example here a little bit and forgive me if you're not into it, but Arsenal is a team I got into in the yeah. premiership because they play that way because they, they, they attack. They've got a coach who is offensive minded and they want to attack the game at all times. There is never a moment where Arteta does not want his team to attack the game. When do they get beat? When they attack, everyone is committed. And then as soon as the opposition gets the ball from the top of their 18, because they're all packed in, like they're playing the attack. So they're waiting for you to attack and then they're going to stifle you at some point and they're going to transition. And it happens, you know, that's when Arsenal will get scored on when there's a quick counter and all of a sudden, the ball's in the back of their net and Arsenal fans are looking around saying, how are we trailing in this game? We always attack. We should have three goals in the game. But I think the reality sometimes that we forget is, and maybe I'm wrong on this reality. I'll say it's my reality. Goals. Yes. Might be up. I don't know. You guys know the numbers better than me, but when I watch games, it is still not easy to score in the NHL because generally teams do make it tough for you to get to the front of the net. Generally, right. The, The top tier teams don't make it easy on you. Um, Brian, to your point about the Kings, they were not making it easy on anybody for a long time, but for some reason they've fallen away from that. And now it's, they're getting in behind the Kings and the Kings are in this kind of a tailspin. So I think, yeah, if you're built that way, sure. Uh, go for it. But I do agree with you. If, if you still have a goaltender who's making his way through the league for the first time, learning opponents, you still have defense core, which it's their first year, some of them playing together and figuring out where everyone's going to be. And you're switching sides and different defense pair partners, um, you know, maybe there's a time where you kind of manage a game. And that's that was my thinking from last night was, why don't you just manage this 2-2 for a little bit? Like, why don't you feel yeah. good about the fact you just tied it up? I know you want momentum. I get it. I do understand that. But at the same time, understanding the, the totality of the psyche of the team right now is let's feel good for five or ten minutes here. Let's just keep the puck away from the front of Devin. Let's, let's chip it out of the zone. If someone's on the other end of it, then we go. Uh, but let's not overcommit, whether it's a D jumping up or whatever. That being said, um, if if that's the way that they're charged with playing because that's the way they feel they're at their best, then... And and to your point, it, it didn't take long at the start of the second period because I got up to make a phone call home because they didn't have power and I wanted to make sure everything was good. And I heard the tuck goal and I was like, oh, good. By the time I sit down, it's going to be 2-2. Let's see how the game goes. I didn't even get to sit down at 2-2. It was already 3-2, right? It happened yeah. really, really quickly after. And I yeah. think that's when the Sabres get in trouble is when all of a sudden things unraveled a little bit too quickly. Even the Ottawa game, you know, uh, New Year's Eve, it just, it unraveled really quickly that you can't get back on the rail in that part. So, um, yeah, and Arsenal's still fourth, by the way, in the Premier League. So they're yeah, doing all right. Yeah. And fourth isn't, yeah, they're doing okay, but fourth is still not first. But, um, <laughs> you know, the other thing too, the reality last night was, and I think everyone has said it, Don said it. I don't know if you guys have in your conversations, but, you know, Devin Levi, you're not blaming him on the loss, but there was a night when you needed your goalie, whether it was Devin, UPL, Joe, 
whatever, yep. Bill, whomever you needed um, to bail you out in one of those moments. Just one of them, really, just one of them, just to have even that kind of energy and momentum, get the crowd, get the building away from, you know, some of the boo birds that were, they just changed the energy in the building for a moment. It didn't happen. Um, I, I don't blame one person for that because you're, you're one person on a team full with five guys in front of you. So, uh, but it would have been a night that, yeah, I mean, who knows if, if you get a save or two, maybe it's a different story. Yep. Ottawa's next. It happens tomorrow. Dan and Razor will have the call. Don Granado is just in the media right now. We will have some words from him when we continue on Sabres Live. Dan, thank you. We're back right after this on WGR Sports Radio 550 and MSG. Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Sabres and Sens, black and red tomorrow. It's going to be quite a clash. It'll uh, remind us of a lot of Years gone by between these two teams and both are in desperate need of a win. Ottawa coughed up a third period lead last night and got rolled by Calgary six to three. I don't, I honestly don't know of an Ottawa game that I've watched uh, probably this year, but certainly in the last two months where in the final 10 to 12 minutes of the third period, Brady Kachuk hasn't tried to try to start something with somebody typically because it's the senators stupid. are losing. Yeah. Yes. Well, but it's consistent. So I'll give him that. And his brother, <laughs> Matthew has been ultra consistent of late. He is the league's hottest scorer over the last eight games. Matthew has 17 points in that stretch. And Shana Goldman should not have wasted her time talking about Matthew Kachuk's early season slow start, because once again, it doesn't line up with the reality. Although it obviously <laughs> was a huge talking point in the league would Kachuk recover from his fractured sternum in the playoffs last year? I would say the he jury is now the jury has come back and they have awarded a verdict to the Panthers that yes, you will in fact have Kachuk at full health for the rest of the year. They are on fire right now. By the way, Don Granado just yeah. wrapped up speaking. We obviously mentioned that with Dan. Uh, no major earth-shattering things. Ryan Johnson likely to play. Opozo Olofsson are close. Skinner obviously is the big one in the sense that he's getting imaging done in his shoulder. Or did they say upper body? What was upper it? body? Upper body. Okay. So I have no idea where, uh, could have been his <laughs> larynx for all I know. Um, well, I could have, but the fact of the matter is they're not going to know how short, how long it may be. Um, so once again, opportunity knocks and, uh, I, I was going to ask you and Dan for really quick opinions, but was worried that you wouldn't be able to deliver quick enough opinions on this subject. The two of you, um, what does the goaltending carousel look like moving forward does well, it main it's... does it stay one 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 or does a win produce more starts well you know what i think about it before no no no. that's why i'm asking i don't know what you think i don't like the one 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 it's too simple too easy nobody gets into a rhythm right like i don't like it now do you have to do it for a few more games i would i would I, look i wouldn't say upl goes thursday and you know, Levi, well, you played a bad game. You're never going back in. I just, I just think I'd even like to see two, 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 and then see if somebody separates. So I think we're going to see a rotation here for the next three or four games. And then after that, probably break that rotation up if the schedule allows it. It is an interesting handful of games remaining based on how Ottawa's not been good, how Vancouver's been really good, how the Sharks have lost 12 in a row, how the Hawks don't have Connor Bedard. 
And then by the time it comes to Tampa, I mean, all they do is just stay in the mix. They're back in a wild card position today after a stunning come from behind two goal deficit erased overtime win over LA last night. Your all boy right, with a shift, with a shift, eh? Brendan Hagel with a uh, amazing so oh. tying goal and then a shift in overtime that was unbelievable. Was Hagel's tying goal, that I know this is a bit of a stretch here, but you also know how much I love him. Yeah. It was very Afinaginov-esque. Oh, yeah, like when you're spinning and losing your... He didn't do the full spin, but it was like, oh, oh, ah! (laughs) He just got a little piece of it, a little stick on it, and pushed it over. Exactly, but it was just, it was the stick-with-it-ness, you know, to the crease, and then, uh, yeah, he had a full-length shift in the overtime that obviously produced the winner. Okay, let us get to fill in the blank, because I wanted to save time for this, and we have just enough. And this is, you know, ahead of us asking Shayna for the real expert advice on this. The AAV of Elias Pettersson's next contract will be blank. It will be $12 million a year over an eight-year deal. That's what I'm projecting for Elias Pettersson. You know that Conor McDavid signed the highest RFA contract extension at 12 and a half. So I don't think it's going to be 12 and a half, even though the cap is going up and salaries are going up. I don't think it's going to be 12 and a half, but Elias Pettersson had 102 points last year in the regular season um, is well on pace for over a hundred points again this year. I know that Willie Nylander just signed $11.5 million, but he was going to be a UFA, different than an RFA. feel like RFAs get a little bit more leverage. I think Pedersen, two years younger than Nylander at 25 only, will get $12 million AAV. Well, so much for the six other questions I had planned. We might get one of them in now. The team that will stretch... You could have just put a number on it, Marty. (laughs) The team that will stretch their current win-slash-unbeaten-slash-point streak the longest will be blank. The Winnipeg Jets. Thank you. How long is it going to go? 26? 11. They're at 13 now. I know, 13. I've said win. They won seven. So, <laughs> yes, okay, true. they're going to go to 19 unbeaten. I learned something new about John Cooper last night, and it prompts the question, John Cooper will end his career ranked blank in all-time NHL coaching wins. Top 10. And I, I'll get to 700. He's, he's already at 500. He's coached like just a little under 900 games. I think he's going to get to top 10. Did you see what his milestone was last night, though? With the same team. Most. With the only team. Tied for first, most wins with only team coached. Yes. So, obviously, his next win puts him number one. And I think that is amazing. Well, like, we, do you think John Cooper stays with Tampa and never yes. coached another team ever yes. again? Yeah. Okay. That's, That's the, that so... would be the biggest news. Like if he's done with Tampa and never coaches again in the NHL, that yeah. would be a big news. I don't want to see him with a frowny face behind somebody else's. You don't bench. want Marty Brodeur wearing a St. Louis Blues jersey? <laughs> yeah. Well, that was whatever at that point. Okay. We've had a full one today, and we'll try to replicate it tomorrow. We'll see you then. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.